Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Van Carlson online. Van, how are you? Very good. Thanks for having me on your show. Glad to have you here. This is going to be a great conversation. We're going to talk a lot of things about risk management and all kinds of other fun stuff, but why don't you share with the audience a little bit about you and this awesome work you do? Yeah, so I've been in risk management for uh, 30 years. I would say that's pretty much been my entire professional life. Um, and I was a pretty successful property casualty agency agent. Uh, I have an office here in Boise, Idaho. Um, and we were pretty successful. Uh, 08 came along, uh, the Great Recession. And um, I saw a lot of my friends, clients, business owners, unfortunately, go out of business. And I had to, you know, I, I was being introduced to a concept at that time about self-insuring risk and how to mitigate that risk and make it more efficient. And um, I decided at that point to, to pivot to that industry. And that's really what we're doing now full time. Uh, it's still risk mitigation. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think tr traditional insurances do a very good job insuring the tangible assets of businesses. Uh, you know, anything a bank will get a loan on um, are typically insured very well. Uh, unfortunately, most business on most business owners, entrepreneurs, and so forth, they value the intangible assets of their business, and that's their intellectual property, uh, contracts, brand. Brand's huge today, obviously. Their supply chain. All of those things become much more valuable to the business owners. That's what they're focused on building, right? They can they'll buy a building, they'll buy a car, they'll buy a they'll buy inventory. Um, but how do you distribute that inventory and everything else is what becomes the value of the business. And and I saw traditional insurance companies falling down on that. And um, so that's really where we're we're consultant. We're we're utilize a little known tax code called 831B that allows you to de defer income out of your business. Um, to recognize self-insuring risk. Um, there's only two tax codes that allows you to do that. One's a 401k and one's an 831b. Both are similar on how they're structured, and, but completely different. One's for retirement and run it, one is for risk mitigation. And unfortunately, COVID-19 was a big driver last year um, for a lot of businesses, maybe for the first time, <clears throat> that realized that uh, you know their insurance policies covers them if they have a direct loss, you know, if the building catches on fire and burns down, they have business interruption. But if they're forced to close down or can't get enough product or materials or to come into, you know, to be able to sell to their customers, um, there is no, that's an indirect loss. And indirect losses are typically excluded on traditional insurance policies. So that's why the code exists. Um, it's an 831B tax code. It really started existing. It came in the 1986 Tax Reform Act. And, um, that allowed really what was happening back then was farmers were self-insuring crop insurance. Um, today it's, it's, it's pretty much a program hundred percent ran by the federal government. Um, you know, traditional insurance carriers are for for-profit businesses. Uh, when you have catastrophic losses, like a farm, like a drought, I mean, like out West right now, we're having a pretty significant drought here. Uh, you can expect pretty significant high claims this year for, um, 
harvest loss and crop insurance covers that and traditional insurance companies that would be a that'd be like five hurricanes right so that's why they exclude that kind of stuff and it's no difference for the pandemic that happened last year unfortunately um traditional insurance companies are not in a position to really handle those types of levels of claims all at once and so they have to exclude it and if they're going to exclude it that doesn't mean you still don't have the risk and so that's really what got me going into is this, I wanted to bring these kind of ideas to the small to middle market risk takers um, in, our co- in our country and bring these kind of ideas to them because this, these are Fortune 500 company ideas. I mean, you know, big companies self-insure risk all the time. They have their own insurance companies. You know, these are things that are not known, you know, by the general public. Um, but when you, you know, if you sit back and think about it, who's going to insure Microsoft, for example, on product liability? Who's going to um, give Amazon supply chain risk coverages? Um, you know, all those things where uh, traditional insurance companies won't do, but the big companies have been doing it for years, literally decades. And I wanted to bring these kind of types of ideas to the risk takers that we have, the small to middle market business owners, the businesses that were really affected mostly last year. Had they been doing our program prior to this and taking the, those tax deferral dollars and utilizing it in an 841, uh, excuse me, an 831B plan, they could have weathered the storm much easier. Uh, I, I know that because I had clients, I've been doing this since 2008 and uh, had a lot of clients in the program. And last year when it came up that they were forced to shut down or they had business interruption occurring, they were able to position to weather the storm much better than their competitors and they just slept easier at night uh, knowing that they've been doing our program. And that's really where we're at right now. Michael is getting the education out that this is a valid program. Um, there's rules and regulations to it. Like every other tax code, if you're going to elect under this tax code, there's, there's rules involved. Um, unfortunately, I will just tell you that, uh, you know, there are some benefits to the taxpayer and anytime that happens, there's going to be abuse. And unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, the, I call the, the tax code was hijacked a number of years ago for estate tax planning, and that's that's hurt us. Um, you know, I, I let clients be very leery uh, when an attorney's out promoting our program that there could be potentially alternative motiva- motivations for doing it, not just from a risk mitigation standpoint. And I think that's just a litmus test. You know, business owners need to be aware of um, that. You know, if you're not talking to a risk manager. Uh, about utilizing an 831B plan, then you probably really should um, look at why they're telling you that. Are they telling you for just for the tax benefits or they truly understand risk mitigation? And that's what we specialize in. So that's my background and that's that's the down and dirty of it. So. No, a lot, lots to cover in there. And, you know, first thing that came to mind, which is kind of what we're hearing in current events is you had mentioned a couple of times supply chain. And there's been supply chain challenges throughout this pandemic. Early, it was just you couldn't find things because people were buying them up, you know, the toilet paper situation and other things where you'd go into a store and you just wouldn't find any of it, where, you know, that's been rectified. But now, you know, we're starting to hear about challenges of we're not getting products and services because organizations are having a difficult time finding employees to come back and do the job, whether it's, you know, truck drivers or uh, people working in stores or whatever the case may be. So, you know, that's obviously a huge risk for organizations. You're thinking, awesome. Okay. The pandemic's finally starting to come to 
the end of it uh, and things can start reopening and we can get back to business and, and see where things are. And then all of a sudden, oh, you know, here's another challenge. Uh, no one wants to come work. Uh, and, it, it, and of course, it's impacting supply chain all across the globe. But you know, we're, I'm curious to see you know, where that's going to stand. But again, that's where the risk management component comes into play. We're like, all right, here we go. We, we got a yeah. plan for this. Well, and you know, the other challenge of all what you just described, is, and you're absolutely right about um, the employee sector, but also it's just, you know, we're so dependent on the global economy today. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's one thing for Ford to shut down their plant because they don't get the chips, right, to build and manufacture their F-150s. It's completely different. You know, that's Ford, right? Now, think about a small to middle market business owner that's a fabrication shop, and they're dependent on a certain type of a, you know, it's called a widget. And they can't get it. You know, Ford can weather the storm. They can diversify. They can, you know, how how does a small to middle market business owner that has put their blood, sweat, and tears into this into this company, and now they're being shut down? And I and I call call them air bubbles. And you have air bubbles running down through the supply chain. You know, it's it's interesting right now. Just the 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 uh, the different side effects, right? Uh, I herring bait for salmon fishing out in the Northwest right now, you can't find it. And uh, a lot of fishermen, and, and this, is, this is just a small uh, um, example, obviously, but the herring fish what wasn't sold last year because all the, all the, all the lodges and everybody had shut down up in Alaska, the, 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 the West coast wasn't, you know, and so nobody bothered to, you know, um, do the herring this year. And because of last year and the domino effects that, that those all hit, it, it, it's just an example of one other thing that you're going to be hearing about in the news here coming up very shortly is the different domino effects. And we're dealing with it a lot of times because of our clients, right? Our clients are wait, making us aware of what's going on. But it's just crazy, you know, when you saw the wood spike this past year with the lumber, um, you know, when the sawmill shut down for two or three months, that that's a bubble in the in in that's going to cause in the supply chain and how that ripples out down the road, you know you, you don't know until you know you know. But you know that absolutely from the risk mitigation standpoint, unfortunately, it's some of the biggest risk you take. And I think that the, the you know I want your your listeners to understand that this is about cash flow. This is about maintaining cash flow of the business. You know, if all of a sudden I have to go spend more money, you know, if I got contracts. And I'm and I've got a price locked in, and now I, you know, I'm based on my suppliers, and now I've got to go out and pivot to another supplier. I'm not going to get the price I was getting, but I'm locked into this contract over here. You know, these are all the things that ebb and flow back in there, and that's really where the cash flow is. You know, business interruption is extremely important to a business because what it does is maintains the cash flow of the business. For example, a restaurant. If a restaurant was to have a catastrophic loss, a fire, let's say it burned to the ground, you know, technically, if they had owned the building, they still have to pay the loan payment. They still have to keep employees around when they reopen and, and do all those things that they already were doing. And that's where the business interruption comes in. Typically, it's 18 months. It's actual loss of income and, and even for that matter, profits. And even if you, as an owner, if you're paying a W-2 to your, to your business, you would even have your income taken care of. That's business interruption. And what that whole concept is designed to do is maintain the cash flow because what would happen is if you didn't have all that and you rebuilt this nice new restaurant and you had it all ready to go, 
you couldn't afford to open up the doors because you wouldn't have the cash flow to do it with. And, and that's what the critical piece uh, that a lot of business owners miss sometimes, especially when it comes to the indirect losses, maintaining the cash flow. And I make it very simple. I, you know, would you rather make it with tax deferred dollars or after tax dollars when it comes to maintaining the cash flow of the business? Well, I can tell you from an efficient standpoint, it's much better to manage it and it easy, it's easier to and, and more manageable if it's tax deferred dollars. And again, that's why Congress introduced the tax code back in 1986. And, and a lot of your listeners may be hearing this for the first time, but you know, unfortunately, that tax code now has been around for over four, oh, what is it, over 30 years. Um, and they're just hearing about it for the first time. And, and I'm sure a lot of them would have loved to have our program running into the 2020. Uh, but, you know, for me, it's 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 a simple, uh, you know, I, I tell business owners when I speak in front of them and, and CPA firms and everything else out there, it's like, you know, if you're having a good year, just to take a little bit off the side and park it off to the side, that's just really good risk mitigation. Uh, I can't make it any simpler than that. Now, there's rules and regulations and there's some education process. And, and I think it's really important for any any client, any business owner to really understand what they're getting into. And there are some rules and regulations and, and we, we were, pretty, were pretty strict about those um, for all of our benefits. But I, not to look into it, uh, I think, you know, and, and relying maybe on the PPP again on the next go around or... Um, all those things are, you know, uh, business owners, our clients are typically for, more forward thinking a lot of times. And they're kind of in a place in their business where they're working on their business, not necessarily in it all the time. And this is that type of a product. And I think uh, you, you owe it to your the risk that you've taken to run your business, to do what you've done, um, to look into these types of programs. Uh, again, your competitors are doing it and big companies are doing it. Why aren't you? And that's really what. I appreciate being on shows like this because I think the more I can get the word out, uh, the more we can head some of these potentially, you know, family lost businesses down the road because of they didn't prepare for risk risk mitigation like they could have. Yeah, I think of all the companies that have gone out of business, you know, there's been tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, and maybe even millions of businesses that closed down, you know, where I, um, where I live, I split my time between San Diego and Toronto. And in Toronto, I, I walk by when I'm in downtown Toronto, uh, I walk by dead restaurant after dead restaurant after dead restaurant. And, you know, some of them I used to eat at a lot and I'm like really bummed about it. Not just because, oh, wow, I loved eating that food, but when you when you go to when you go to businesses, small businesses or shops or things like that, you especially if you frequent them a lot, you recognize the people, you know the people, and those are owners that you know took a huge risk to run their own business. It is a risky situation. Is not if if it wasn't risky, then everybody would do it. But it, it's very risky, and you know the thought that you know those organizations didn't have the safety net um, to kind of withstand a storm like this. You know, no one plans for a pandemic, but they can plan for a catastrophic event where they can ride it out and, and be able to come out of it. And like you mentioned before, you know, have the cash flow to reopen the doors. Cause that, that's another thing. So like, okay, it's time to open up. They may not have any cash to open the doors. And, and you know, look, you know what they did here in the U S with the PPP, they started out right away, you know, giving those programs out. But right now, 
you know, if you don't have enough employees, you're only able to open about 30, 40% of occupancy on a restaurant. I mean, that's death by a thousand cuts, right? I mean, realistically speaking, you know, this is when government really doesn't even understand business, right? It's like, you're allowing me to open up at 50% occupancy. That's just enough for me to go broke with my cash flow. I mean, I, and you need to open and you just hope to God you can make it through. And then I think a lot of business owners, you know, unfortunately, you know, if they're not in the right, you know, had they just remodeled their restaurant or spent some more money somewhere else and gave up some cash flow, and all of a sudden this was to come in and slide in and hit them, you're closing your doors. And then, you know, to your point, it, it was everybody's dream, right? I mean, it was, that was somebody's dream to own their own business, you know, and, and they were running it well. But unfortunately, to you know, unbeknownst to them, you know, COVID-19 hit unprecedented in our lifetime for sure um and you know i don't know i don't know where we go from here meaning i i don't know if it gets better do we get to reset the clock does it happen another 50 years from now i don't i don't know i mean i, I i'm looking at the weather patterns right now and i mean they're talking about a lot of hurricanes i mean i think we're already up to e or some darn thing and i'm thinking to myself geez that seems a little early but um you know, this, all of these things that are happening in our world today, you know, and, and, and not only that, it's, we're not even talking about the technology side yet, right? Social media, you know, the brand of your company. I mean, it takes you years and years to grow cons consumer confidence into your small to middle market business owner, but it literally takes seconds to destroy it in a world that we live in where everything's instant. You read it. It must be true on the internet, all of those things. And you know, I call it the double negative. You know, we, we have we, like a lot of medical doc. We have medical doctors, dentists, a lot of restaurants, franchisees. You know, a lot of franchisees out there take a lot of risk based on the franchisor. You know, if all of a sudden the CEO of, of, a, of a major franchise does something or gets caught doing something or worse, somebody gets E. coli in one of the fast food restaurants, I, I might own my my restaurant in Idaho, happen in Wisconsin, but guess what happens to you? People stop walking through your doors too at the restaurant, and from a from and you know so you got the double negative going on. You got the income compressing, and you got expenses going up. Were well, you going to go down to the bank and ask for more money? Um, you know, typically the banks aren't going to be that op open arms. I think we have a good indication from what 09 and 08 look like, um, and I get where the banks are at on that. I mean, I just they have a business to run too. So, but at the same time, it's this is a tool. It's a great tool for the right client. Um, I think, in, again, I can't emphasize enough to vet it out on your own. Do your own due diligence as a business owner and seek advice. And and I think, you know, doing the same thing over and over again doesn't make, you know, I think that's a definition of insanity. You know, if you, if you survived COVID, if you survived 08, you got through the Great Recession, and now here comes COVID-19, and you survived that. Why wouldn't you want to game the game a little bit by utilizing all the tools available to you? And that's really an 831B plan. And, and again, it's a tool. And it, given the right situation, it can be a fantastic tool for business owners. That's no, awesome. And it's it's so important. So walk us through. I mean, obviously, I know there's a lot of steps in there, but, you know, yeah. uh, you know, walk us through. So a small business, um, 
you know, I, we can pick on any type of thing, but, you know, it can be uh, an office type of thing or consultancy or whatever the case may be, because I know there's probably variances depending on, on the type of business that they have. But, you know, walk us through, you know, a typical, typical small business that, you know, what, what are the steps they need to do in order to, you know, get mm-hmm. this set up uh, just so they have an idea of it? Because I anticipate mm-hmm. with the, the audience that I have, uh, lots of small business, lots of, you know, solopreneurs and entrepreneurs that, you know, are a few years into their business and, and things are plugging along and some of them have done really well during the pandemic and some have struggled. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, preparing for the next hiccup using a hiccup may not be a strong enough word, but in the grand scheme of things, it's like, it's not just all, all sunshines and rainbows and happy times. No, there's, there's going to be some challenging times too. So, you know, having some elbow room to, you know, be able to protect yourself is, is crucial. So kind of walk us through, you know, what the, what yeah. the process looks like. So, so we typically like to work with the clients as trusted advisors, not just the client themselves. So a lot of times we work with their CPAs, uh, they're potentially their financial planner and their property casualty agent. Um, so we always like to work with other trusted advisors that the business owners are relying on uh, to get them up to speed um, on what, what the plan is and how it works. Um, you know, there, there's to, to, to elect under the 831B, there's a four-part test. Uh, you have to adhere to as their administrator of the 401k, or excuse me, as an administrator of 831b, we manage all that just like a 401k administrator does. We want to make sure you're you're in compliance, that you're doing the things right. Um, no different than the 401k, you know. So the 401k allows you, you know, there's contribution limits. There's contribution limits under 831b. Um, there's con- d- uh, there's also distributions as well, right? And their 401k. You're required at 70 and a half to start taking distributions. In our program, you can take distributions much earlier than that. And sometimes you're required to based on our methodologies. And then, you know, there's rules and regulations, there's policies, there's all very similar to the 401ks again about how you go about doing these, uh, admitting these programs. And, and that's the simplest way we can make it for the business owner. So there, there is some complexities to it, but it's certainly not a rocket ship. And I think. Um, you know, let's be honest. I mean, risk man. I mean, I get geeked out with risk all the time because it's what I find it interesting. And that's, I guess that's why I'm in the industry I'm in. Um, but most business owners, you know, they find it a nuisance, right? Hey, I just got to keep paying my insurance premiums and all that good stuff. And I always, always loved it when I was doing insurance, when somebody said, I just keep paying you and I never use it. And I think I used to, well, good for you. And they look at you like, what are you? Well, I can't think of one good situation when insurance is being used, first and foremost. Um, so good for you, you know, that you haven't had claims. But the, but getting back to the, you know, so so it's, it's, it's one of those things where business owners have to think a little bit about this program. And again, there's some, there's some rules to it and there's a process to it. And, you know, we have these videos on our website that are, you know, are designed to educate business owners. Um, but it, it takes about a three to four week process to get an 831B plan up and running. Uh, we typically are underwriting team. So, so when I say, so when you have an 831B plan, there has to be, there has to be a box, right? So you have the 831B plan and think of the 401k, right? But then within the 401k, you have investment platforms, right? You have the different kinds of bonds, mutual funds, blended funds, and all that stuff that you can pick, pick and choose from. And it has to be inside this box. Well, for our box under the 831B plan, it has to look and feel like an insurance company. 
So that's where the four-part test comes in. There has to be a transfer of risk, risk distribution. There has to be fortuitous risk, not type, business type risk. And then you have to be acting in the principles of insurance. Sounds like a lot. And it's a lot of calories for most business owners to take in. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're that, we're, that's our responsibility. No different than your 401k administrator is. You, you can't know all the mutual funds and all the platforms that they have available to all your employees. You just got to trust and rely on the, the 401k administrator to know what they're doing. And it's the same thing for us. So, so I can't, so we look at the risk mitigation from a standpoint of what the type of industry they're in. Um, we, we know, um, unfortunately, a lot of gaps in traditional insurances that they're looking at based on the industry they're in. And we would go in and plug in those types of risk that we would, you know, and this is a depth commerce, in-depth conversation we'd have with business owners. What are, what, what are, one of the first things we ask business owners a lot of times is what, what's the biggest thing that keeps you up at night? And, um, if you know, if you just sit back and listen, they'll tell you, <laughs> and, and it's somehow, how do you wrap, how do you wrap this 831B plan to handle that risk and let them sleep easier at night? And that's a big, that's our goal. That's our biggest goal we have is, is making sure that, um, you know, things that business owners are losing sleep over is how, how do we mitigate that? And, and that's us getting to know the client and, um, and they'll tell you, I mean, it's, it's, it never fails when I have a, especially if somebody has been in business for 10 plus years, they've had these not COVID-19 level type events, but they've had other events, you know, cyber. I mean, all the stuff that goes on today, it's just crazy. The, the risk profiles are just, unfortunately, they're not getting um, smaller. They're getting larger. I, you know, the, the, the cyber stuff that just came out recently, the, the ransomware and everything else is going on out there. I mean, how does a small business has their, customer management system get locked up, you know, how do they manage that? You know, um, I can go on on about risk, unfortunately, but, <laughs> uh, but it, there is some underwriting process to it. And, and it's, you know, I don't want to go down too many rabbit holes on that, but just know that we're very confident in what we, we do as, as an administrator. And we certainly don't, we're certainly not here to complicate the business owners' lives. And I think they would find us to be a good partner uh, to manage their, uh, their risk more effectively than what they're currently doing. That's great. And there's one thing that I have a difference of opinion than what you said earlier about, you know, the, your client that says, I never use the insurance. Actually, you use insurance every day. It's there to protect you. And you're using it every day. If you don't have a claim, that's awesome. That that's great. Yeah. But the fact it's 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 a, it's a an umbrella. It's a protection, and that's something you use every day. And I agree with you. you you're right. And I agree with you on the on on the risk side of things. As life gets more advanced and complex and global and information technology and all of that good stuff, there's inherent risks that come along with that. And some of it is new risks and, you know, with the cyber attacks and all the other stuff, you know, you, you hit it right on the head, a, a small business, you know, they can't pay, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars in ransom to, to unlock their systems. And, and so it's, um, you know, there's a lot of elements that they got to protect on. Yeah. And I could tell you that happens, unfortunately, and it's not made to known to the public. Um, the other thing about that is, is uh, they don't hire forensic teams to come back in there and go through all their computer systems and make sure they still don't, they can't come back in any time and do it again. And, you know, those are, 
those are significant problems in businesses today. And, and I think traditional insurance companies are trying to get ahead of that a little bit. But the problem with it is, is so many of those types of cyber risks go unreported. It, that's what that's what the insurance executives are losing sleep over. And so if they're not reporting enough of those types of claims that are going on, you know, like a, a CPA firm or a dental practice gets compromised, they just pay the bill and move on, right? Um, they don't make, you know, certainly doesn't make local news. Um, or, you know, they know how detriment it can be to their business. Um, you know, so they're going to limit the exposures. They're going to limit coverages. They're going to do the things that insurance companies do. Um, you know, they're, they are for-profit business. And so that's another, uh, unfortunately, you know, moving down the pipeline here. Um, you know, I think the other thing that's going to be happening uh, is distribute as uh, dispute resolutions. I think um, we're, we're seeing it this year with our clients, a, a substantial ramp up of uh, legal action being taken against, you know, one party or another in an agreement because somebody didn't perform last year. Um, I think, uh, you know, without certain things coming to, to, through Congress sooner than later, I think it's going to be very, I think the courts are going to get jammed up with a ton of lawsuits coming in. And, and uh, I, we've not even seen the tip of the iceberg on that yet. Um, I think directors and officers, uh, if you have a directors and officers in your corporation, in your business, um, I hope to God you have an insurance policy. But I can tell you right now, there are about 60, 70% increases this year in premiums um, because they see the writing on the wall coming, that lawsuits are going to come. You know, if I, if, I, if I had an apartment complex, I was an investor and, and now all of a sudden um, I'm, I'm of the... Uh, I'm having a problem with uh, my returns, and because rent wasn't collected, uh, I'm going to point my I'm going to point at the directors and officers and go, "Why didn't you know this? Why didn't you have?" That? And it's going to cause a lawsuit. And so, those are the types of things that are com- that are starting to percolate up again from COVID nineteen. That really, until it happens, you don't think about it, right? I mean, there's so many. This thing has so many tentacles. It's it's just. It, it, I don't think we, I don't, I don't personally understand all the ramifications in the future that's going to come out of this because of, you know, when a country shuts down the size of our country and our economy, um, there's rippling effects maybe for years to come. I, I, again, I don't know. I hope, I hope not. Um, but you certainly got to ask the questions. Um, and if you're having a good year again, it's just like, you know, and I said this to my staff, I said this long, you know, when it first started happening back in March, I said, there's going to be winners and losers in this deal. You know, um, we got to help as many losers as we can, because there are going to be people who get hurt by this program, by this event. And there'll be other companies that come out shining. You know, I think the construction industry is one of those, right? Um, if you were tied to food brokerage, it was awesome, but they got hit by the restaurants and then they had to pivot to that stuff. And I think what you said earlier too, about how companies had to adapt to their, what they were doing. And I still go to restaurants right now here in Idaho and I, I'm blown away by how many people show up and take food out of the restaurant where before you would have never seen that, you know, but people got used to doing that. So that's a, that's a good thing. That's one good thing, I guess, that came out of this is the, the pivoting for the restaurants to your point about, you know, being able to have technology available to us to uh, do this conference, you and I talking. So all the things that come out of it, it's it's certainly interesting, some of the changes coming for, for the business industry, for sure. 
It's going to be interesting and entertaining and, and challenging and every other descriptor I can think of, of what it's going to be like over the next few years for sure. So Van, I've loved this conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. Where can people find out more about you and this incredible work you do? Yeah. So our, our website's 831b.com and uh, they can contact us on there. Um, like I said, we have a lot of educational videos uh, just to get people up speed on it. And 831b.com is our website. Um, we have really good um, marketing people uh, that work for us and have a really good team. And uh, we have, we have advisors all over the country. Um, so, you know, there is no place that we can't go, including Canada. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I think 831b.com would be the place to start and uh, they can reach out to me. I'm, I'm van, V-A-N at 831b.com and uh, love to get them up to speed on this program. If they want to learn more, um, you know, we're here to help and educate the best we can with clients. That's awesome. I'll definitely have that in the show notes. So again, Van, thank you so much for this work. It's very, very critical for businesses to, to look into this. So thank you again for your time today. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to the Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.